Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Warning. Guests of The Roy Green Show may experience the truth, being in the hot seat, and in some cases, crying. The Roy Green Show continues on the Chorus Radio Network. We were just talking about the situation in Hawaii yesterday when that missile alarm went off and on the screens everywhere in the state it said this is not a test. Just think of the terror these people were going through. I saw a video perhaps you did as well of a father pushing his kids down a maintenance service hole in the middle of the road. I mean, what do you do? Where do you go? How do you hide? There's no place to run to. How terrifying is that? So we'll be speaking with... Colonel Peter Mansour in the next hour, former executive officer to General David Petraeus in Iraq, a former NATO military tank brigade commander, about how the military might have reacted to these developments. I told you earlier that in 1983, when the Soviets shot down that Korean Airlines jet and killed 269 people, there had been an American spy plane in the area, and it came very close over the next couple of days to a nuclear exchange between the United States and the Soviet Union. Because everybody mistrusted one another, and they said, we better get the first strike in because that's the only opportunity we have to win. So we'll talk to Dr., or at least Professor, uh, he's a university professor now, uh, former military Colonel Peter Mansour, who is the executive officer to General David Petraeus. A lot more coming up on the show today. Later this hour, my friend Dave Foxcroft... Getting to be a better friend every day. Son of my great friend Ron Foxcroft, who did very well with the lottery a couple of days ago. I'm talking about very well. I'll talk to Dave about that. But we'll begin with uh, the story of, and there's a few stories I want to talk to our guest about, and we're glad she's with us. Uh, James Damore is a former Google engineer who was fired by the company and is now suing Google for alleged discrimination against white men who hold certain views. Damore and his fellow former Google engineer, David Goodman, are seeking class action status for the suit to include anyone at Google who identifies as Caucasian, conservative, or male. The suit includes a charge of female Google manager's advice for white men responding to statements about bias as, quote, something slave owners would have written for their slaves, end quote. Damore also wrote an internal memo titled Google's Ideological Echo Chamber, which criticizes Google's corporate culture, diversity practices, and Damore's argument, among other things, that women are biologically unsuited for engineering work. Uh, Catalina Alvaros joins us. She's the director with the Trip Scott Law Firm in Fort Lauderdale, Boca, and Tallahassee, Florida, a former judge and juvenile sex crimes prosecutor. Ms. Alvarez, thank you very much for taking the time. Thank you. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. So this particular case involving Mr. Damore, the charges he makes, the memo that he wrote, some people are calling it a manifesto. Does he have a case? Is there a case here that white men are being 
unfairly treated by this corporation based on ideological uh, values and and gender values and and uh, racial values. Well, he raises some concerns, but it's going to be he he's going to have quite an uphill battle to try to establish that he is that he's being unfairly treated, and especially if he's trying to rely on statements that women are unsuited for engineering or anything like that. Because, of course, go ahead. No, go ahead. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt. Now, of course, what you look at is whether men, in order for him to have any valid claim under the law, he would have to show that white men are being treated differently than women who are or others that are similarly situated to him. And that's quite a that's quite a difficult um, task in order to prove. Yeah. You've been a judge. How would you approach that as a from the from the judge's perspective? Well, it's a very fact intense situation. So or inquiry, for that matter. And he would have to demonstrate uh, being the plaintiff. Obviously, he has the burden of proof Mm -hmm. and he would certainly have to demonstrate with some concrete examples, not just philosophical views. Uh, that this is, in fact, um, occurring. Does it surprise you that this actually is a case that's being taken to court? I'm not surprised with the media attention it's getting, but does it surprise you that this is a case that's being taken to court? Is it a sign of the times? I guess with what we've seen in the ca- in the past three to four months, um, nothing is really that surprising anymore. But yes, I-, I think it's surprising in the sense that it's a big hurdle for him. Um, I question whether or not it will even overcome the initial uh, stages of the case, but that is yet to be seen. Again, once it's pretty fact, the facts are investigated and what additional facts we learn. Okay, let me ask you about the Me Too movement, where it stands now, and uh, we, we have some developments on on this issue of sexual harassment, sexual assault, sexual abuse of women. Michael Douglas preemptively denying sexual harassment allegations before they go public. And James Franco, I don't know what to what to make of Franco's doing as far as the sexual misconduct allegations against him. And then you have Weinstein being attacked at an Arizona restaurant. He was slapped in the face, did nothing about it. What's, is this a, is this a situation that is going to play out over a short period of time and burn intensely or is it going to be something, do you think, that's going to carry on for a protracted period of time? Are we going to looking at a situation where there's going to be a real social change that's unavoidable? I, I think it is unavoidable. I think what had, I, I don't want to say the floodgate of complaints have opened, but there certainly has been an opportunity for women who feel like they have been wronged, sexually uh, harassed to come forward, and they feel like there is a audience and a platform for them to speak, and that certainly has been helpful for them. So we keep seeing them. They were. Uh, we started with Weinstein. We now just heard recently of James Franco, as you mentioned, uh, from the students. So it'll. I, I think it's going to. They're going to keep coming. I don't think it's going to go away. I think it's a topic that's open for open for discussion, and we're going to have to address it, and we're going to have to tackle it and not just ignore it. What do you do as a lawyer? Um, someone comes to you and says. Either A, I've been a victim of sexual abuse, sexual harassment, sexual assault, or B, someone says to you, I've been accused of all of the above, and I'm innocent. How do you approach the two? 
you know, handling um, employment cases, I've had both situations come to me. Mm-hmm. And what we start off is we, as a lawyer, I have an obligation to investigate my case. What are the facts that exist? If it's the victim, what information do you have? What facts do you have to support your allegations? If it's the accused, we need to do an investigation. We need to talk to other people around. People forget nowadays in the era of uh, social media, in the era of text messages, um, there's a lot of information to be gathered from from text messages, from phones, from posts, and they have to be careful because that's all that all ultimately ends up coming in. And I suppose the individual who says to you, look, I'm not guilty of any of this, that individual has to be aware that when one person steps forward, and if there are others, if it's a true story initially, if it's one person who steps forward, there's likely going to be a pattern that develops, and there'll be others who'll follow. Yeah, and the pattern, it's interesting that you bring the term pattern up, because you do need to look at that to see if there is any type of, obviously, if there is more than one allegation, but to see if there's more than one allegation, if there's any commonality, if there's any pattern within the allegations made against the individual. Okay, and you also have to see, you also have to see, is the, was the employee that's making the allegation, was she about to lose her, her job? Because that's important as well. We can't take a position that every allegation that's made is a true allegation or that it's a false allegation. We really need to look at it on its merits. Yeah. Ms. Avalos, one other question for you, and it has to do with, uh, with DACA. We've been watching that in this country as well, and we have more than a million Americans living in Canada. Um, what's likely to happen as far as the young people who are in the United States is concerned, the people who are young people who were brought in by their parents, they don't have any legal right to be legal, strictly legal right to be in the U.S., but there's a, there's a, there's a very strong feeling, even among many Republicans, that they shouldn't be just summarily deported. What do you see happening? And what, well, what's the legal, what's the most significant legal point? The most significant legal point at this juncture is, you know, when, when DACA was created, it was created to provide a temporary status. But at this point, we have young children who were brought to this country, to the United States, only knowing and now only know what the United States has to offer, knows that their country went to school here, are in universities continuing their education, and all of a sudden you're going to yank them out. And as an immigrant myself, I was born in Colombia, have been blessed to be here since I was two years old. I don't know any other country as my country where I've grown up. So I think from a legal standpoint, um, it, Congress just needs to move and do something and take care of, and take care of business and provide a, a method to vet those 800,000 people that were protected by DACA, determine who really is able to stay and um, make extensions but it, it, to, to the program. But it's difficult to know what's happening based on just the occurrences of the last couple days. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And what eventually is decided is, of course, going to probably be played out, at least in, in some cases, maybe many cases, be played out in courtrooms across the United States. Ms. Avalos, thank you very much for the time. It's good talking to you. Thank you, and have a great afternoon. Thank Hopefully you. Hopefully they'll decide before March 5th when the program expires. Yeah, me. yeah. Maybe we'll have a chance to speak with you again. Sounds good. Thanks Take so much. Care. All the best. Thank you. Bye-bye. There's Catalina Avalos. She is uh, a managing director, co-managing director at, uh, let me just get the, the law firm here, 
with Trip Scott Law Firm in Fort Lauderdale, Boca, and Tallahassee in Florida. She's a former judge and a juvenile sex crimes prosecutor. A lot of issues here, a lot of them. 800-263-2428, 1-800-263-2428. When it comes to this, this, uh, this, this fellow Demore, James Demore, who was fired and is suing Google for alleged discrimination against white men who hold certain views, and he and his former, oh, another former engineer who was fired, David Goodman, seeking class action status for the suit to include anybody at Google who identifies as Caucasian conservative or male. They also charged that a female Google manager's advice for white men responding to statements about bias as, quote, something slave owners would have written for their slaves. What do you think of this? You think, what do you think of this? Is this a, is this a situation that's developing in, in, in some major companies where if you're a white man... You're not going to get ahead because you're a white man. Now, remember, he did issue a memo that became uh, really the talk of Google, where, among other things, uh, and this is Forbes magazine writes, um, his memo, Google's ideology, ideological echo chamber, criticizes Google's corporate culture, diversity practices, and the more argument, among other things, that women are biologically unsuited for engineering work. Does he have a case? And I am curious about how you see it's kind of gotten a little quieter about the issue about the Me Too and the sexual harassment and sexual assaults of women. So James Franco, I don't know what to make of what Franco is saying. Michael Douglas preemptively denying sexual harassment allegations before they go public. Why why would you do that? Uh, 800-263-2428, 1-800-263-2428. I've asked this before, haven't asked it for a while, I'll ask it again. Is there anyone listening to this program right now who has been subjected to sexual harassment, sexual assault, and you feel that the issue has as much impact today as it did a month ago, 1-800-263-2428.